turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth of the four Gospels. You can pull it up on your smartphone or there's a pew Bible in front of you. If you need some help finding it in your Bible, maybe ask your neighbor, share a Bible. Inside the worship folders, there is a message outline. You might pull that out. That helps us kind of orient our thinking. It's also designed for you to take home. Um, this is a unique time with Easter being on April Fool's as well. That's a little disturbing when you think about it. I know our praise team meets at 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings to rehearse a final time before we um, play during the services. And 8 on Sunday morning you know, is kind of early, and sometimes occasionally somebody's late. But the most unique uh, excuse I've heard so far for why... Why a person was late was uh, Pat Party, our bass player, who was right here behind the pulpit earlier. He came in and says, hey, sorry I'm a little late. I had trouble getting into my bathroom because his younger son, Tyler, had gotten up in the middle of the night and just duct taped everything. <laughs> so the toilet lid, the door, you name it. And I, he, there's, there's picture proof. So Pat has some pictures of their bathroom with duct tape everywhere. And I said, well, didn't you hear the, you know, the duct tape going? He says, no, we didn't hear a thing. So, I, and I think they came in the first service, so they're gone. So you might, next time you see Tyler, say, hey, wow, good move, Tyler. So, and it was, um, there were some artistic duct tape designs on the toilet seat, too, so you might want to see that. So, anyhow, you probably weren't expecting to hear about that on Sunday morning. But we're looking, and we, we met on Good Friday as well, on the cross, now we're after the cross, and I was reminded in this letter, I don't think is real, but it, it makes for a good story, but there was a, um, one of those newspaper advice columnists, now I think they do their thing online, but the story goes, it says, here's the letter to the advice columnist, it says, Dear Sir, our preacher said on Easter that Jesus didn't really die, that Jesus just swooned on the cross, and that the disciples nursed him back to health, to health, what do you think? Sincerely bewildered. So they wrote back, Dear Bewildered, beat your preacher with a cat of nine tails with 39 heavy strokes, shove a crown of thorns on his head, nail him to a cross, hang him in the sun all day, run a spear through his side, wrap him up tight, put him in an airless tomb for 36 hours, and see what happens. Happy Easter. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything like that today. Because I firmly believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we are celebrating the resurrection. In fact, we're going to celebrate right now. He is risen. He is risen and so anytime you hear me say that phrase, if I'm in the middle of a sentence and I just say it, you, you just jump right in. And it's okay to interrupt. Usually you don't interrupt the preacher. But today you get to. And um, I'm just reminded that the central truth of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. With it, without it, we don't have a thing, really. And, but with it, we have everything. There's a gentleman named Josh McDowell. He is a famous Christian apologist, meaning a defender of the faith, for the last several decades. And as he was investigating early on, he wrote this. He says, After more than 700 hours of studying this subject and thoroughly investigating its foundation, I have come to the conclusion that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most wicked, vicious, heartless hoaxes ever foisted upon the minds of men, or it is, it is the most fantastic fact of history. See? And we've got a choice to make, don't we? 
we really have a choice to make about Jesus. On Good Friday, we received the words of Jesus on the cross. And we looked, and if you, saw, if you look in that outline, you can see that top part. That's from Good Friday. All the words that we have recorded from Jesus while dying on the cross. Those would be pretty significant. And so you see those listed there. But we also have words from Jesus after the cross, after he was resurrected, and he spends a few dozen days on earth, and then he ascends back into heaven. We have some of his words then as well. And on Good Friday, we were invited to receive the words of Jesus and receive those in, including forgiveness. And today, I really invite us to receive and to give, to receive first from the Lord and then give out in response. And so we're going to look at those. So in John 20, starting in verse 10, we receive and give excitement. This is after the resurrection. Uh, In John's account, they've run to the tomb. It's empty. And that's a little disturbing. They're not quite sure what's going on. And in verse 10 of uh, chapter 20, we receive and we give excitement. The disciples went back to their homes. They'd seen the empty tomb. They said, well, what's going on? But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And then they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And, and, and they've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. And at this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. Now, remember, she's grief stricken. She just saw some angels and she's in shock. She's grief stricken and she's not processing properly. So she sees Jesus, but doesn't recognize him as Jesus. If you've ever gone through extreme grief, you know, your mind doesn't work as well as you'd like it to. And so she sees Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus and he says these, these words, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Isn't that a great line? Who is it you're looking for? I mean, what is it? Who is it we're looking for? Right? And she thinks he's a gardener. And so she says, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I will get him. And then something changes, and Jesus just says her name, Mary. Right? And immediately she recognizes him, and she cries out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher, and she just immediately grabs onto Jesus. Here he is, and she gives him a big hug and grabs onto him, and he says, hey, don't hold on to me now, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm returning my Father and your Father to my God and to your God. So she receives this sense of excitement. Mary Magdalene was stunned. And her immediate reaction, once she realized it was Jesus, is to cry out and she grabs him and she holds tight. And Jesus, it's you. And it's like, just like that, from sorrow to extreme joy and all the shock that comes with that. And adrenaline is pumping. You can imagine her, her heart is racing. She can't contain herself. And Jesus says, hey, thanks for the hug, but we've got a job to do now. So the first reaction to the resurrection is excitement. It's worth a little joy. He's risen. I was a little slow, just throwing that out there. You know, we get excited about, you weren't expecting, I can tell. We, can, we get excited about babies and, and sporting events and, and stock market rises and pay raises at work and vacation days and spring break and, and winning at a card game or giving that special gift to someone or getting that, getting that gift we wanted and, or that special someone says yes to our, our proposal like with Tim and Mallory here this last week. But, you know, we can get excited about the resurrection too. It's what a deal, you know, all's not lost. The good guys win. Truth prevails. Sin is forgiven. The battle's won. The resurrection is real. 
but here we are. Um, you know, I'm kind of, it's not quite the right temperature here in this room right now, and this pew is kind of uncomfortable. The service is a little long. The pastor's kind of boring, and I'm getting hungry. And I really want to check my phone, but I'm afraid someone will see. And you know, we say stuff like that, and we got to kind of catch ourselves. Say, you know, who cares, folks? Jesus is alive. If that's true, wow. See, see, we receive excitement, and then we give that back out. And in her excitement, Jesus sends Mary off. And what does she do? Look at verse 18. This one cheats a little. This isn't a phrase from Jesus. This is a phrase from Mary here. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. You know, she, I, I, put on, I put on your outline, she, she received and she gives sharing. She heads to her friends. Hey, he's alive. He shared with me. I talked to him. I've seen him. I know it's him. No, really, it's true. Honest, I'm not just making it up. I'm not just in shock. He is risen. He's risen indeed. And that was better. See, our response to the resurrection is a response of sharing. We spread the news around. Jesus shares with us, and then we share with others. We don't hold back. He's alive. It's real. Good news is worth passing around. Paul Harvey, when he was alive, he said it this way, too many Christians are no longer fishers of men, but keepers of the aquarium, right? And that really fits us at times, right? John goes on, and he gives us another set of words. We receive, and this one is receive and give forgiveness, just like we saw on Good Friday. Verse 19, John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And it's, it's like with uh, his new body, his, you know, his resurrected body, Jesus could just kind of show up and say, Hey! It, you know, kind of a jolt. Oh, Jesus is here, right? And he kind of comes and goes, and we get this sense that things are different. And, and so he shows up, Peace be with you. Hi! And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed, when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And, he, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now we think someone breathing on us like, oh, they got bad breath. But breath, the word for breath and the word for spirit, same word in Jesus' time, see. And so he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now those words of Jesus are a little confusing, but what's not confusing is that they are about forgiveness, right? Jesus was announcing to his disciples that they now had the privilege of announcing to people forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. His death paid the price, his resurrection sealed the deal, Sins are forgiven, that sounds good, and they announce forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. We're forgiven, folks, you know, but sometimes we don't enjoy that forgiveness too much because at times we don't think God had much to forgive when it comes to me, right? I mean, do we do that? Well, I'm not so bad. Compared to others, it was easy for God to forgive me. Now, the person next to me that I have to live with for the last few years, or the last 50 years, boy, it was hard for God to forgive them, right? And when we think along those lines, we think foolishly. And sometimes, you know, we've got some teenagers here, and we look at teenagers and go, oh, man, they're foolish, they're sinful. But you know what? You 60-year-olds out there, you've had a lot more time to do stupid stuff than your average teenager, right? 
You know what I mean? And so forgiveness isn't for the guy next door or for the person that we, we find annoying or for the person that we think is relatively worse than us. Forgiveness is for us. See, it's for me. And we need a clearer understanding of the depths of sin to appreciate the immensity of God's forgiveness. I like this little story of a recall notice. You know, we've seen those things when things get recalled. You know, and the maker, here's the little kind of tongue-in-cheek notice, the maker of all human beings is recalling all units manufactured regardless of maker year due to a serious defect in the primary and central component of the heart. Right? We're defective. We need fixing. We need forgiveness. So we are forgiven. He is risen. Yeah, we receive forgiveness and we give forgiveness out. We announce forgiveness into the lives of those around us. Let's continue in John 20. Look at verse 24. We receive and give belief. And we've all heard of Thomas, right? He wasn't there originally um, and now he's here and you know, he's got a little adjective that goes with his name. What is it? Remember? Tom, yeah, doubting Thomas. Like, yeah, and this might be you. Right? This might be us. Because not everybody got to live when Jesus was here serving, you know, his three years in active ministry on the earth, right? And he died maybe at 30 or 33. But not everybody got to be a disciple. Not everybody got to be right there. And so sometimes we can be real skeptical too. And Thomas, he, he had been there, but he was skeptical. Now Thomas, look at verse 24, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, hey, we've seen him. We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Right? He's the born skeptic, just like maybe some of us. And a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Jesus can kind of pop in and out with this cool new body he's got, right? Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him that beautiful statement, My Lord and my God. Right? Look at verse 29. Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that, that's the vast majority of the followers of Jesus Christ throughout time, right? And that includes us too. We didn't get to be one of the twelve. We didn't get to be right with Jesus there wasn't for everybody. But what is for everybody is forgiveness and belief. And we can choose to accept or not. And the Christian life at its heart is a life of faith. And Jesus reminds that the reality of the resurrection, it calls for a response. And we can choose to believe or, or not believe. We can choose to have faith or we can choose to reject. It's like when you're standing in a crosswalk at a busy intersection and you look up to see a big bus careening your way, right? and it's heading right towards you, and you can believe it's coming or not, there's no middle ground. You've got to make a choice one way or another. Do I kind of keep walking along, and oh, there's no bus, or man, I better get out of the way, I'm going to get squished, right? And you've you, you, you got to move quickly, and you've got to respond to the reality of the big bus coming your way, and then you're saved. See, the resurrection calls for a response. We've got a choice to make. Yes, I believe in the resurrection, you might say. Well, so what? The Bible says that Satan believes and trembles. See, faith is the bridge. We accept forgiveness of sins in a personal way. We stop relying on our own efforts. We acknowledge our sin, and we confess our sins, and we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, and we put our faith in Christ's finished work 
on our behalf. We got a choice to make. Do I believe or do I reject? The resurrection calls for a response of faith. You know, if you're here this morning and you haven't grappled with the reality of the resurrection, hey, it's Easter and you're sitting in a Christian church, so why not today? Right? What better day today than choose to respond to the truth of forgiveness of sins in Christ? So whether it's in the quietness of your pew, or maybe it's later today, or in one of our classrooms talking to me, or whoever it might be, but bowing your head and saying, Lord, today I understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I understand you love me, but I understand my sin separates me from you. And today I trust in what Jesus Christ did for me for forgiveness of sins. Why not today? I mean, it is Easter. He is risen. See, we receive and give belief. You know, John wrote his whole book, if you look a little bit later in the same book in verse 31. He says, I'm writing this so that you can choose to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and through believing you might have life in his name. See, he gives us a choice. The resurrection calls for a response. I don't make that decision for you. Right? That's between you and the Lord. Finally, we give, we receive and we give loving allegiance. You might want to keep your thumb in uh, John, but go over to Matthew 28. It's the end of Matthew. It's the first gospel. It's also a scene where Jesus is already resurrected. And in Matthew 28, Jesus gives us his allegiance. We often call this the Great Commission, where Jesus is commissioning his followers but look what he promises to do. And we often think that this is what he's telling us to do, and that's true. But look what he says he'll do. Let's look at it. Matthew 28, verse 18. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, I'm in charge. He says, So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So go and teach about me, forgiveness in me, relationship with me. And he says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And catch this at the end of verse 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus says, as you follow me, I promise to be with you and to be present with you. I will give you my loving allegiance. And so he invites us to receive that. His disciples then and his followers today. To receive Jesus' promise, his allegiance, that I'm going to be with you. Now go back to John 21 beginning in verse 15. There's this scene. Jesus is about ready to ascend to heaven. We've looked at this before over the years here. His disciples are by the water. They're around a fire eating some fish. That sounds nice, doesn't it? A campfire by, by, by the lake and, and eating some fish and enjoying that. It's a very comforting scene. And Jesus uh, gives Peter some instructions. Now remember, Peter, in the night Jesus died, what happened with Peter? Right? He denied Jesus three times. It's kind of embarrassing, heartbreaking. Peter would have been struggling with that over the last you know, couple dozen days here after the resurrection, just hurting about that. And Jesus gives Peter the chance to state his allegiance. So we receive loving allegiance from Jesus, and then he calls us to give it back. Watch this scene, verse 15. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Let's take care of my followers. Take care of my sheep. Okay. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And Peter's, okay. Um, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter gets it this time. 
Okay, three questions. I denied them three times. Oh, man. And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. And then he goes on to describe, and Jesus predicts, that Peter will eventually follow Jesus with such loving allegiance that at the end of his life, he'll die. And we believe he died by crucifixion. That's not recorded in the Bible, but according to church history, Peter followed Jesus to the end, to the point of being persecuted for the faith and dying on a cross. We think upside down because he didn't want to die like his Savior. Jesus says, I want you to follow me to the end. Verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. So Jesus says, feed my sheep and follow me. Jesus invites us to receive his loving allegiance and then he wants us to give back loving allegiance to him. If we put together the words on the cross that we looked at on Good Friday and the words from today, from Friday we ask, do I receive Jesus on the cross and all the beautiful words of forgiveness and care and completion and anticipation that he gave there, but also today, do I receive Jesus after the cross? Right? Do I receive that commission? Do I receive what Jesus says after the cross? Do I receive his forgiveness? Do I give back loving allegiance? Do I breathe belief and faith and forgiveness into the life of others? Do I announce? Do I share? Does my excitement show? Do I receive Jesus after the cross? And do I give as I've received? Father, we're so thankful that we can look into your word today and see these wonderful words of Jesus. And we all didn't get to be right on the scene, but we're here now, and we got a choice to make. And we don't coerce, and we don't guilt people into it, but the Spirit moves in such a way that we have a choice to make, whether we believe or reject. And Father, we believe and we receive in faith. The Bible says, and Jesus teaches, that we're forgiven. And then as we have received, so we give, and we share that forgiveness and, and into the life of others, and we breathe that excitement out. And as you have given us your loving allegiance, we give that out in service to you, and you call us to feed your sheep and to follow you. And so, God, we don't just look back to a point in time on the cross and the resurrection, but we look ahead and living now, right here in this present, wherever you've put us to be in a meaningful relationship with you that's founded in, in, in a faith in Jesus Christ and the resurrection for forgiveness of sins, but then that faith is lived out and we receive forgiveness and then we give that out. And we follow you in wherever life's journey takes us. That's a good way to celebrate Easter. Thank you that we can do that together today, Father. In Christ's name, amen.